0: Welcome to the podcast of the Pilates Alliance of Australasia. The PAA strives to continue promoting the expansion of the Pilates method as a professional and valued healthcare and fitness discipline. The goal of the PAA podcast is to explore the many facets and layers of the Pilates industry through conversations with the community. I'm your host, Bruce Hildebrand. Welcome to the show. In the lead-up to the PAA conference happening in September this year, we have a series of short podcast episodes to introduce each of the workshop presenters. On today's call, we have the privilege of introducing Elaine Ewing. Elaine is a third-generation certified authentic Pilates teacher through the New York Pilates Studio and owns Rhinebeck Pilates in New York State, which is home to many pieces of original equipment from Joseph Pilates' 8th Avenue Studio. Together with Sean Gallagher, Elaine presents workshops based on Joseph Pilates' original method and apparatus, and in 2018, worked alongside Sean Gallagher to help create the yearly conference at Jacob's Pillow, Pilates at the Pillow. Elaine was the first to present a workshop inside Joseph Pilates' original Berkshire Studio, the historically significant property now owned by Sean Gallagher. Elaine's workshops at the conference are titled Advance and Enhance Your Spinal Extension and Small Apparatus, the 2x4, Beanbag and Bar. Elaine, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Uh, Elaine, could you give us a quick overview of the workshop presentations you have in store for us at the upcoming PAA conference?
1: Sure. So the advance and enhance your spinal extension workshop is based on work in your studio. So we'll be using the mat, the reformer, the ladder barrel, and the Cadillac primarily. And we'll be focusing on spinal extension exercises and ways that you can advance and enhance your spinal extension. So get more spinal extension in those movements. There's just different ways of practicing and different sequencing that you can do physically to get more movement in spinal extension that people may not automatically think about. It really takes practice to develop a sequence of events that you have to do within your body to be able to go all the way back with your spine as far as possible. Everybody's different. So that's why I titled it Advance and Enhance Your final extension because someone's greatest extension is going to be greater or less than the next person. So it's really getting the most out of what your body can do in the moment. And then with practice, you develop it and you can continue and go further.
0: I was particularly interested in the context of extension, reading a little of the preamble of your session. You talked about flexion being in preparation for extension. Can you talk about that
1: Yeah, I have a theory that I practice myself when I'm doing spinal extension, and I've incorporated it into my teaching as well, that within extension is flexion. And one thing I learned in my training with Sean Gallagher in our teacher training program, I learned from him that you do flexion before you do extension. And we do that in Pilates, in the basic system, we do flexion primarily because you're strengthening your core muscles that help you come in into flexion. And then you do extension after you've gained that skill of understanding what flexion is. So from there, I also developed in my teaching of how to do spinal extension that you not only start by learning flexion, but you also to so carry the work of flexion in your body as you go through extension and it actually does bring you into further spinal extension if you think about doing flexion so that's where i go into during the workshop and go much deeper into that and in my classes I, I go further into that as well
0: i can't wait because it's something that i can certainly relate to for me the connection between the flexion and the extension is what creates the space and the length to be able to take yourself safely into the extension range so to hear your dialogue exactly. around that, because I think it mechanically makes sense. And I can't wait for the delicious cues that come from your session.
1: Yeah. That's exactly what it is. A lot of times people think, oh, extension, I have to go into a lower back bend And it's actually, like you said, there's a lot more length to it than that. And in the sequencing of cues that I use, which includes flexion, that's how you get back further by lengthening.
0: Great. And do you talk a lot about how each individual vertebra contributes to the range, because like you say, it's easy to default to the low back doing all of the work. But I imagine like a snake or any other articulating structure, if each part is contributing, then obviously that's going to contribute to the whole.
1: Yeah, I do. I don't necessarily talk about each of the bones of your spine, but I talk about particular ways of engaging or lifting or lengthening specific parts of your body that will actually take you through that extension. Yeah. I don't really go into anatomy in it, but I'll use certain terminology that I've come up with that just helps people to visualize what they're doing and then engage in particular ways that takes them there.
0: Beautiful. I like it. And around the small apparatus?
1: So there's the beanbag, the two by four and the bar. And when we were talking about these classes I've taught on these small equipment, especially during the pandemic, what was really cool about them was that these are things that people can actually make themselves or have at home. During uh, the pandemic, when we were closed, I taught these classes and I have my clientele from my studio and I say, okay, you can buy a piece of wood and wrap a yoga mat around it. And that's what we call the two by four. And you can work out with this two by four at home and I'll teach you what to do. And that caught on pretty well. And it was really fun. And same thing with the bar. You know, simple thing to make. Same thing with the bean bag. Easy to make and you can have at home. So you don't necessarily have to have a fully equipped studio to do these things, these smaller apparatus. You can be at home with them, or if you have them in your studio, you can use them at your studio too. So that was the idea behind this class is how can you work out at home and even make these things yourself and then use them. So that'll be with the classes. I'll I'll talk about how you can make them yourself and then some of the exercises you can do on them.
0: So just to clarify, the two by four is referring to the dimensions of the piece of wood. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's two inches high by four
0: inches wide. So something that may help the Australian term that a construction worker will use, literally the letters or the numbers four and then the letter B and then the number two, 4B2. Oh,
1: that's so cool. Five. I was actually wondering what yeah. the translation would be. Did you say 4B2? Right. I'm going to write that down. Give it a try. I have to practice that. I don't know. <laughs> Can you say it again? 4B2. All right. Okay. I'll remember
0: that. Elaine, can you share with us the background experience or the specific learning that you had yourself that was the catalyst to creating this content for the conference's workshops?
1: The final extension workshop, I think everybody has a natural range of motion and a plane of motion. Some people are very flexible forward. Some people are very flexible through extension. Just naturally, they're inclined. Maybe it's due to their bone structure or whatever. So I happen to be naturally inclined to do extension. It's actually very easy for me to do extension. And it's not so easy for me to do flexion. But most people, it's harder for them to do extension than flexion. For me, I'm doing these extension exercises. And a lot of people were like, no, I'd love to be able to do that sometime. And I was like, I can teach you how to do it. So I just thought out what am I doing? How am I doing this? So I actually wrote it out, and that's how I developed this idea of how to teach people to advance and enhance their spinal extension. And that's where that comes from, my own practice. A lot of it is mental. In actually, Pilates is anyway. You think, okay, now I'm going to do this thing, but you actually have to think something different, and it takes you further. If you think, okay, back bend, no, it's not just back bend. First, you have to do this, then you have to do that, then you have to lift here, then you have to stretch there. Then all of a sudden, you're way back there. So a lot of it happens in your mind, and then you have to apply it into your muscles, and it changes so much.
0: And it's beautiful to hear you say that sequence of events, because often a client will articulate that back to me to say, Bruce, I really have to think about this to do the exercise that you're asking me to do. And my simple response is, welcome to Pilates.
1: Exactly. That's what Joseph Pilates in an interview. He said, push a button in your mind. And that's so true. You have to consciously do that and then go if you really want to go there. (laughs) I guess when you advance, it, it gets to be a little bit more habitual because you don't have to think about the same things as you used to think about and you move on to a new set of things.
0: And for the smaller apparatus, you found that really helpful yourself as well?
1: Oh, the two-by-four is one of my favorite things to teach and to even refer to in my own workout. Once you have a solid practice of all of the elements of doing that two-by-four exercise, it's so simple, but so complex. There's so many things going on at the same time. And it's just a consistent practice of doing it as often as you can so that all of those things become what your new normal is as far as how you engage or how you move or your awareness, your alignment, you know, addresses all of those things. And then when you go like, for example, on the reformer and do your footwork, when you engage into your two by four work, it's so clean and clear and strong on the reformer because of that practice that you've done on the two by four. Uh, I love that. So I really like to teach that as often as possible to everybody. And it can go into everything. You know, I was just teaching semicircle on the guillotine. And my student was like, "You know, I really don't understand what to do. And I've taught her two by four a lot. And I said, you're doing the two by four. So she said, okay. And she got on and she just went right through it. It's like in there. It's just this is strong foundation to so many things from beginner to advanced. It's really incredible. It's the simplest movement, but it just applies to so many things. So that I love. And then the beanbag, traditionally, a lot of times we hold the beanbag, roll it, roll it up. But what are we really accomplishing with that? A lot of times we say it's for grip strength, but my workshop will talk about, is it really for grip strength? If you want it to be for grip strength, what do you really have to do? What are you really strengthening with the beanbag? So there's some depth in there that we get into. And so bar is, you know, Joseph Waddy did use a bar in the studio. He had a bunch of them and we can use it on the mat and we can do certain things that are great for alignment, awareness. Uh, it's also just an extra challenge to your mat work in general. It just adds an extra element. It's similar to how a magic circle would add an extra challenge to your mat work, the, the bar works in a similar way.
0: Another thing in the preparation for this call was a colleague said, you must get a sense of how much Elaine has done endless inquiry and self-practice and mastery and self-practice and mastery. What I'm hearing in your descriptions is this layering and richness to the inquiry of really exploring into the movements. And to touch briefly on your vast researching into the historical part of Pilates as well, the layering there is so rich and it's so beautiful to hear you talk about that.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm fortunate to have my own fully equipped studio. So it's been wonderful to be able to keep up my own self-practice, especially during the pandemic when it was basically the only thing that kept me sane. And I know a lot of people would agree with that. But to be able to practice on apparatus as often as possible, really, I mean, you know, it keeps you mentally healthy. I was teaching on Zoom in front of a computer. That was never before what I did. Teaching Pilates was my only job. I've never actually sat at a desk and worked at a computer or anything. When I was in college, I became certified. And after I graduated, I taught Pilates. I've never had a first career and then became a Pilates teacher. Once I started teaching on the computer all day long, I was like, oh my gosh, this is how everybody feels when they walk into the studio. So I was realizing I lie down on a mat. I'm like, whoa, I need to move. And when you have your own self-practice, you can actually not only work on your own practice, but you also start to realize what other people, your students feel. And so it's interesting in both ways. It works for yourself, but you also gain an understanding of where your students are coming from and you can help them even more.
0: And it brings in a whole new layer of empathy.
1: Exactly. I was like, wow, I can't believe how stiffening it is to sit at a computer all day. I had no idea. But I thought I did, but to actually have it, I feel it. I was like, wow, I <laughs> need Pilates.
0: What I hear is that you've got a very fancy yes. version of the small apparatus with the two by four, the beanbag and the bar with your access to the studio during the pandemic. <laughs> what do you mean? Everyone else has a two by four, a beanbag and a bar at home and you have a fully equipped studio with some of Joseph yes. Pilates' original equipment in it. Oh, yes.
1: Fancy. That's true. Yeah. I do have the original. Yeah, they are fancy. I have the original push-up bars. I have an original two-by-four, too. I do have that from Joe.
0: Amazing. Elaine, for those considering coming along to your workshops at the conference, what do you feel like will be the top couple of takeaway ideas and concepts from the sessions?
1: For the final extension, what I'm planning to do is if the people who are joining could be in the studio, since they'll be virtual, and I'll have a student with me, and I'll be using her as my demo And hopefully after we demonstrate, everybody can actually practice and I can give individual people feedback of what they're doing in the exercises and help them advance and enhance their spinal extension. And like we were just saying, it'll be for them in the workshop, but they can also apply it to their own students and hopefully help them also get more. Out of their extension exercises of course you don't have to participate if you want to observe the class or you can also do that if you don't have access to all of the apparatus but people are welcome to join in in the moment and practice together and then i can give feedback to everybody and, and work with people that way which would be great for the small apparatus it's a great way if you do have to close down with the pandemic or if you still have your classes on zoom or if you want to keep your students engaged people who are still on zoom is to implement these small apparatus into the classes. And it adds a whole new dimension to your class. I know when I first started teaching on Zoom, everyone from the studio was at home on their floor. Not everybody even had a mat. We had nothing. We didn't know what we were going to do. Light everybody down. We start the mat work. And in the middle of my class, I thought to myself, these people need to get up. How am I going to keep everyone on the floor? We were closed for eight months. And I know other countries were closed longer. You know, that's a long time to have people of any age with any issue physically on the floor. We have a lot of older people, you know, with back issues, all kinds of things. hip replacements, a lot of things that staying on the floor for Pilates every day, it's not great. So adding these simple things and two by four, beanbag, all these things, it gets people up and it gets them doing something different. And it's so beneficial to the rest of their practice. So it's definitely very useful. And like I was saying, not even if you're teaching on Zoom, just in the studio itself, which is where we ultimately want to be. Like I was saying with the two by four, teaching that to your students on a regular basis will just advance the rest of their work so much once they really embody and feel all the dimensions of what they need to be able to practice that two by four. And the semicircle was a great example. I mean, that's an advanced exercise. And just thinking about and remembering and engaging into her two by four work, she just went right into it. So it's really useful for beginner to advance to all these small apparatus stuff is great inside the studio and at home.
0: Excellent. How much effect do you feel like you have when we're in these limitations of lockdown and video links and so forth?
1: It's been actually oddly a great experience. At the beginning, it was horrible because it was so different and scary because we had no idea what was going to happen. But as we got more used to it and everybody was isolated, I I think that we actually ended up having some great benefit because something about it, I find people have more focus. Maybe if there's no distractions around them, there's nobody to compare themselves to. There's just a better focus in that sense, especially with the mat work. So they've been on the mat for over a year and they've actually advanced so much. And I think it's something about the regularity, the consistency. And these are the things that we tell people all the time. You, know, you need to be focused, you need to be persistent and consistent and all these things. And, and it actually helps them be those things. But there's obvious limitations to it. But there's been a lot of benefit that I find exciting. When I finish my class on Saturdays and I turn off Zoom, I'm like, I love what they just did. I'm so impressed. I can't believe they totally got whatever exercise today. It looked amazing, you know? So that's exciting to see people what they're capable of. And the other part of it is hands-on can help people, of course, but I think sometimes people can actually start to rely on on you helping them. So if it's just your words and they're on the floor, they don't have any apparatus helping them. They don't have your hands helping them. They just have to lift the powerhouse up and over. And I can see you right there. And I'm saying more lift, oh, you know, and you eventually get there on your own. So it's like you get this certain responsibility that you have for yourself. Because if you don't do it, nothing's going to help you. You don't have any springs. You don't have a box. You don't have anything. So that's been empowering for people.
0: What I love about what you're talking about is it's inevitable. We're going to be dealt with these things and who knows what it's going to turn out like. And immediately what sprung to mind is who knew that Joseph Pilates was going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time in inverted commas lockdown on the Isle of Man. And what did he have to do in terms of creating his thinking, the early stages of his methodology to really make it work? So I love the way that you're taking advantage of the limitations and really bringing something new to people's practice and obviously that teaching as well.
1: Like this was really actually Joe's vision to have his method be in everybody's home and have everybody practice. And he wanted people to have their own apparatus at home. And a lot of people now actually have equipment at home. I have people who used to come to the studio regularly during our closure, they bought home reformers, they bought barrels, they bought one to chairs to be able to do their class on Zoom with me and with all teachers everywhere. You know, a lot of people now have apparatus at home, which is exactly what he wanted to do. And they're working out either by themselves or with class recordings or with their teachers. So they have that extra sense of responsibility, like we were just saying, for their own workout. So it's almost like Contrology is coming to fruition in a way.
0: It was the video link that was the missing piece. I perhaps. love that.
1: So I find that inspiring. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's very inspiring. Yeah. And after coming along to the workshops, what do you feel of the participants? They'll immediately be able to apply with their clients when they return to work on the Monday morning after the conference?
1: We'll focus on the basics on the small apparatus and that you can teach to anybody, no matter what their level is, the two by four, the bag, and the bar, and it'll advance their practice over time. These are great things that you can give people even before or after their session. If you teach somebody, okay, this is how you do the two by four. I'm going to be teaching before you come in next week. When you come take your two by four and do your two by four exercises while you wait for me to get to your appointment or after we're done, you can stay for five minutes and take the two by four and go do the two by four. So these are things you can give people when they come into the studio to do on their own before or after the session, as well as teaching it during the session.
0: Another question that jumped out at me, Elaine, and this is me being fortunate enough to have participated in my first class in 1996 and sometimes get accused of being a bit of a Pilates history buff myself. Like I've walked the streets geeking out on the history of Joseph Pilates at his childhood city of Mutchengladbach back in 2008 and poured over the history books during the pandemic last year. But from all the research I've done on you, Elaine, and let me tell you, there is a lot of it. I haven't met many people in my 25 years in Pilates that have gone to the lengths you have in uncovering the historical records of Pilates. Can you share with us the influence your extensive research of the history has had on your day-to-day teaching and also the development of these two workshops that you're sharing with us in September?
1: I'm lucky and fortunate to work closely with Sean Gallagher because he owns the Pilates Archive and we've developed a lot of workshops based on that material. That knowledge that I have in my head, even if I'm not teaching that specific information during a session or during one of these workshops, it still informs, you know, it's like the background of where I'm coming from when I'm talking. I think we were talking about this for the historical photos that we're going to be presenting as well with Sean and I, that just knowing or having known what Joe did or taught in his studio is more of a depth of knowledge as far as when you're teaching your clients even just footwork. And you sort of embody this rich history while you're teaching. And it's a great experience for your clients as well to know that there's this long history behind what they're doing. It's like they walk in, they're doing their footwork, but if you can give them a little bit of information about what Joe did during that exercise while they're doing it, they're like, wow. So it makes it definitely more fun.
0: (laughs) And in terms of your own self-practice as well, it's an amazing layer of information to really integrate when you're in your own self-practice.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. When I do the mat work, I try to do the return to life mat a couple times a week on my own. And if you really look at what he was doing and what he wrote, it's not commonly taught at all. And even when people say that's what they're teaching, if you really look at it, wow, this is so different. And that helps your own practice. But the study of that developed ongoing. I've done the return to life mat for years. And then all of a sudden, one day, I'm like, oh, never noticed that before. So it helps you physically and mentally, but it's also one of the best things about being a teacher, you know, just constantly learning more and growing from the information that's right there.
0: I don't think you've got anything to be concerned about in regard to not having a previous career. I think uh, it sounds logical and uh, destiny that you were to step immediately into this career and maximize that. Yeah. (laughs) Elaine, we absolutely can't wait to have your presentations and workshops coming up at the conference in September. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Uh, Thanks so much for taking the time to give us an overview of the sessions, and we look forward to the live presentations coming up in September.
1: Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you.
0: There is a membership category for every Pilates enthusiast, where the Alliance provides a wide range of information, resources, and support for everything you want to know more of with Pilates. Help us expand the message of the PAA by sharing with your network of friends and colleagues today so that the Pilates community can continue to be a vibrant and inspiring network for everyone's benefit. You can become a member today by visiting the links in the show notes. For existing members, join us on the PAA Member Forum Facebook page where you'll find an ongoing supply of resources and conversations to continue supporting you and your participation and involvement in the many levels of Pilates here in Australia. Pilates Alliance Australasia only exists because of the contributions of the Pilates community. If there's a topic or a conversation you would love to share on the podcast, then we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Pilates Alliance podcast. Please leave your comments on the Pilates Alliance members forum Facebook page. Remember, for anyone who is yet to become a member, we'd love to have you put your voice forward for the benefit of progressing Pilates here in Australia.